Game of Thrones Season 5 Episode 3 is over, but we're just getting started here on Game of Thrones Live on Post Show Recaps. And now, here are the two guys who are good podcasters because we have skeptical minds. Here we are. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well, Rob. I, I'm doing great. Uh, I It's weird. I can't do this podcast anymore. Yes. Why not? Why? I, I don't. I don't know. Believe me, I'm. I'm surprised. I wish I could do it. I, no one is more surprised than me. But I. I just can't do this anymore. Okay. All right. Well, while you're trying to go figure it out, why don't you go to the bathroom and then uh, go ahead and I'll throw a, a noose over your neck. Oh my God! Please don't. <laughs> oh Please don't. my God! Oh so my rude. God! A uh, major plot hole in tonight's episode, Josh. Which? What was that? Uh, how come in the brothel where there is the Daenerys uh, dressed prostitute? Uh, and what is yeah. it, and what is this like? It's like Times Square where there's like an Elmo, uh, yeah. and, and everybody is there. Are there other figures from Westeros yep. that are also dressed up there? Is there like was, the Hound? I was and, wondering the same thing, like a Cersei. Sure, sure. Uh, how is uh, Sir Jorah just not spending all of his time with the uh, fake Daenerys? Because he can't like he can't bring himself to do it. He's ashamed. He's embarrassed. Or maybe that's going to be the next episode. Is he's just going to? That's his know, wife. With, yeah, with Tyrion over his shoulder, he says, "I'm going to take you to the queen." He's just going to walk right back in there and say, "Khaleesi." <laughs> yeah, this one's on me, Tyrion. This one's on me. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. So we've got so much to talk about here tonight. After High Sparrow, in honor of 420, they named the Game of Thrones episode High Sparrow. We're like a week late on that, though. Yeah, they th- I think they thought originally... Last week, I think. Yeah, because they started it a week later this year than they normally do. Usually, they start the first week of April. They were going to try to... They thought, like, oh, all the Game of Thrones stoners are going to love this. We'll call it High Sparrow yeah. on, on the night before 420. Uh, so high. Yes, yeah, so high. Oh. Anyway, so we're, we're high on Game of Thrones right now, and that's why we're so excited, because uh, I'm very excited. Uh, one, I'm excited because... I get to talk to this guy who is uh, such a wealth of Game of Thrones knowledge every week, uh, Josh Wiggler. And I am very excited to pick your brain once again, Josh. Okay, well, pick away. I have decided that I will be podcasting. Good, good. good. That's That's what I arrived at. Anyway, we are live here on Post Show Recaps, and we have got the chat room going. Got a nice crowd in the chat room on Post Show Recaps. We're taking your tweets. Hashtag PS Recaps. And then also we are on uh, YouTube. You can go to our YouTube channel and leave us your comments at postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube. We'll also do our feedback show uh, this week. Book club this week also. Book club's happening. We'll be doing that on Thursday morning. It's happening. Don't miss any of it. Postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. All right. So top story at this hour. Tyrion is under the uh, captured by Ser Jorah. Yeah, he's all tied up. He's oh tied up God. right now by the bear. Uh, the bear is into bondage, I guess. I get well. He's in the right place. So he's Sir Jorah is back. Place, we have not seen Sir Jorah in quite some time. It has been a little while since we've seen Sir Jorah. I'm trying to remember which episode it is that he leaves. I feel like maybe episode seven seems right. Maybe eight of of season four. Uh, either way, it's been a little while since we've seen Sir Jorah, and that had been a question that we had leaving season four, entering season five. Where in the hell, you know, where in the world is Jorah Mormont? And we have an answer tonight. He is in Volantis, uh, and now he is hanging out with a new friend. He's buddies with the imp, or maybe not so friendly, but 
Yeah. Uh, certainly in contact with this guy. You knew it was going to end badly at the point where Tyrion's like, no, I got to get out of this box. I got to get out of here. And Varys is like, no, 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 no. Trust me. Uh, saying the saying here. He's like, no, I'll lose my mind. And you knew trouble was going to find him eventually. Yeah. I think if, if Varys is telling you to stay in a box, it's probably a good idea to listen. Uh, you know, just, just typically just listen to what Varys is telling you. I think it's just a good standard operating procedure but um you know Tyrion's his own man he's his own half man and he's gonna go and uh you know execute his own half measures and that's gonna end up getting him caught by people like Jorah Mormont so you're you're right I think the moment that Tyrion starts talking about how uh I'm I'm sick of being stuck in this in this wheelhouse I need to get out of this wheelhouse I think that that is a pretty clear sign that something not fantastic is heading Tyrion's way okay so Sir Jorah Mormont says, I'm taking you to the queen. Is there any chance he's not talking about Cersei? There's a chance, certainly. Um, you know, he could, he could be talking about Cersei. He could be talking about Daenerys. He could be talking about Marjorie. Um, you know, there, there are people he could be talking about. Uh, when, when we think of Jorah Mormont and his loyalty to Daenerys, you know, who he believes to be the rightful queen of Westeros. It's hard to imagine him referring to anybody else as the queen if it's not Danny. Okay. Oh, so you're on board with this. Yeah, I'm on board with it. Okay. Because uh, be like, oh, great. That's where I was going anyway. Yeah, I'll get there faster and maybe not inside of a box. That would be <laughs> fantastic. My yes. buddy's inside. Can we go grab him first? Yes. But don't you think that if Jorah Mormont was talking about Daenerys, that he would say, uh, that's it. I'm taking you to see Khaleesi. Khaleesi. Uh, but yeah, maybe the reference would go over uh, Tyrion's head. Yeah, who? Tyrion hasn't been paying attention to the whole Esso storyline, so I don't know that he knows about the Khaleesi. He skips thing. that? Yeah, he he just like hits fast forward. He really only watches the King's Landing scenes. Yeah. Um, boy, would that be a good road trip the rest of the season? Uh, Jura Mormont and Tyrion the rest of the season if we got like hijacked from Varys. Well, that sucks about Varys because <laughs> Varys is fantastic and where does this leave Varys? Oh, he'd I still go to uh, Daenerys. He'd just get back in the box and like, oh, I guess I guess Tyrion no, uh, never found them again. He'd probably have a more pleasant trip. Yeah. I feel, I feel like Varys on the road to Meereen without Tyrion is a more pleasant trip for Varys because he doesn't have to worry about cleaning up Tyrion's poop anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a bonus. Um, but no, Tyrion and Jorah, that's a it's an interesting combination. Um, you know, Tyrion is certainly used to hanging out with tough guys, you know, hanging out with people who are very good in a fight. Very famously, his brother is considered to be one of the best swordsmen in Westeros, if not the best, at least before he, you know, lost his hand. Um, he has spent the vast majority of his time on Game of Thrones hanging out with Bronn, the sellsword. Uh, and here we've got Jorah Mormont, who is another really skilled warrior, but he is a very different breed from the people that Tyrion usually hangs out with. You know, he's he's not sarcastic. He's not he's not necessarily the you know the sharpest tool in the in the drawer when it comes to you know being quick with a quip. Uh, you know, cutting you down with words the way that he cuts you down with a sword. So Tyrion and Jorah as a, as a duo right now. Um, it's it's a very different dynamic than we're used to seeing with Tyrion. So that could potentially be pretty interesting. And it's certainly an a, a unusual um, circumstance for a guy like Jorah, who is usually surrounded by other people who kind of take themselves very seriously. So 
it's a fun it's a fun match. I think that this could be very fun. Yeah, I'm shipping Tyrion and Jorah. I don't see any way that we end up spending the rest of this time now with Tyrion and Jorah Marmont going back to King's Landing. Uh, that his story has there's no there's nothing interesting about Jorah Mormont going to King's Landing or being in King's Landing. Everybody that we know him with is in the Danny storyline. I feel like you need him back in that storyline, and maybe this is the way to get him better integrated into this. Yeah, he he's needs a power. Pl- he's he's a power player in the Danny storyline, um, and it, it's it's kind of like how King's Landing has lost so many of its familiar players this year. Uh, I feel like maybe we're feeling a little bit of that in Danny's story. Jorah is such like you know he's so instantly related to the Danny story. When you think of Danny's story, you think of the of the rigid guy who is saying Khaleesi, Khaleesi, uh, and we don't have that this season. We've got Barry the Bold, who's a pretty cool dude. He's no Jorah Mormont, in my humble opinion. So uh, if, if that's where we're headed, if we are headed towards Jorah and Tyrion going to Danny, I think that that's a, that's a win for everybody involved. No uh, Danny assu- tonight. Assuming, assuming that this goes over well, because last time Jorah and Danny hung out, it wasn't so great. Not great. And, and a Danny-less episode. No Misa. How do you feel about that? Misa, Misa. How do you, how do you feel about the no Misa this episode? It's fine. I think she has nothing going on. I think yeah. that it's just nothing. Yeah. No news Lisa, is. I think it's okay that we. That it's we it's that. okay. All right. Uh, what would you say was the second biggest story of the night? I mean, boy, we had uh, the uh, Stark back in Winterfell. Uh, we had Jon Snow uh, beheading. Yeah. Jano yeah, well, Slint. Yeah. Well, which either either way, I mean, I think our, our next two stops should be in the north of Westeros. Okay. Whether you want to go as far north as the Wall first, or if you want to talk about Winterfell first, but either way, I think those are the next two we should we should break down. I don't know. It was an episode, and t- and tell me if you're, I'm reading too much into this. Where uh, there were echoes of the pilot of the of the where we all started in this episode between you know Jon Snow carrying out the sentence of beheading a man. Uh, just like Ned Stark style. And then we also had uh, a Stark returning to Winterfell. And uh, I can't even remember the last time we had scenes in Winterfell in this show. Yeah, I was trying to think about that. Is it, is it, has it really been since season two? Season two, I mean, it has Winterfell? Yeah, I feel like the last thing we saw there was probably Theon getting clocked over the head and getting dragged out by the, by the Greyjoys. Yeah, and you know, Bran and Rickon and uh, you know, all of that. They were they were leaving and they said goodbye to Maester Lewin before Maester Lewin kicked the bucket. So yeah, it's been a very long time since we've really spent any meaningful amount of time in Winterfell. Um and it's a very different place. You know, it's not just the flayed man of House Bolton uh is on the flags in the opening credits. There are actual flayed men hanging out in the courtyard of Winterfell, which is very, very gross and very alarming and very, very different from the Winterfell that we saw in that first episode. But you're absolutely right. There were a lot of really great callbacks to the first episode of the show in tonight's show. Okay, so let's let's do the wall stuff because I feel like that's a little more self-contained and then I feel like the stuff at Winterfell is going to go off in a lot of different directions. So let's just let's just knock out talking about the the wall. And I love that Jon Snow has like his own office now. Yeah, he's listen. He's the Lord Commander. Lord Commander gets Lord Commander gets the good office. Yeah, he gets the good office, and he gets the good office. He gets his own servant. <laughs> yeah, and look at look at Jon Snow. He's doing. I think he's doing a good job. And uh, first off, he has the good meeting with Stannis, and I do feel like Stannis does like Jon Snow. 
Yeah, well, that's what that's what Davos says. You know, he says, "Listen, he sees something in you. You know, he's harsh, but he sees something in you." I mean, I don't know what he sees in you, Jon Snow. You know nothing, but but Stannis sees something in you. So yeah, so even Davos is saying. Um, Stannis thinks that you're pretty great. He's disappointed that you're not taking him up on his offer, but he, he thinks that you got potential kid. He, uh, he, he sees you as a player. Yeah. I think that Stannis uh, has a real liking to Jon Snow. That is until he bones Melisandre. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we didn't get any Melisandre tonight, uh, but we certainly can assume that she's into it. You know, she's interested. She asked him that big question on the elevator. So mm-hmm. uh, when, whenever we cross that bridge, and it feels like a whenever more than an if ever, uh, at least you would like to think. I think that that will be, that would be very awkward. Yeah. So Stannis still wants Jon Snow to rule the North and Jon Snow is like, eh, you know, I, I don't know about that. Um, and so Stannis gives Jon Snow the recommendation to uh, send Alistair Thorne to uh, one of the other outposts on the wall further away. And he right. says, you know, um, you know, g- g- that guy doesn't like you. Get rid of him. And Jon Snow said, what about, uh, you know, keep your enemies close? Uh, and yeah. Stannis had the great line of uh, that person didn't have many enemies. Whoever said that. Yeah. Whoever said that didn't have enough enemies. Yeah. No, that's 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 a funny line for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, John, John is not going to take Stannis's advice on this one. You know, even though Stannis is giving him advice that seems fairly sound on paper, John goes a different route with uh, with Alistair, and he is going to name Alistair first ranger of the Night's Watch. Do you who who do you ultimately come down on with with this one, Rob? Do you buy John's choice to name Alistair first ranger? Or do you think that Stannis had it right? Do you think that he should have sent this guy far away? I love what Jon Snow did. I like that he brought Alistair Thorne in, into it. Uh, like Abraham Lincoln, it's a, a league of rivals. You know, we always talk about this on the Survivor podcast of, uh, you know, I sort of like it when people take somebody who's a threat to them and, and, and work with them rather than just going like toe-to-toe that's going to inevitably end up with one person done and, and maybe it could end up ruining both people. And I like that also Alistair Thorne got split up from Janus Slint because Janus, I think, might have been the bad influence on Alistair Thorne. Yeah, more like anus Slint, right? Oh, that guy sucks. Yeah, well, not anymore. <laughs> that guy sucks. And, you know, he speaks up. Jon Snow sends him off and then he's going to like, you know, spout off and go off on Jon Snow. And that's a bad move. Bad move. Very bad move. Um, yeah, he, you know, he stands up there and he's like, you know, making fun of him being like a little punk kid. And I'm not just going to go off and starve and freeze to death quietly. You don't just get to, do you know who I am? Do you know who I, who I was? You know, he's just, he's like spouting off all of this nonsense. And Jon Snow, he might not be stark in name, but he is stark in, in spirit for sure. He is, he is the guy who is going to carry out the sentence. Uh, he is going to swing the sword. Uh, and if he, says, um, if he says, bring him outside and get me my sword, he's not bluffing. Uh, this is not, he's not a bluffer, Jon Snow. He's, he's a doer. He's not bluffing. And so Jaina Slynn is like, oh, mercy, mercy. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Did you think Jon Snow, uh, well, you probably already knew from those books. No, I mean, I knew what he was going to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I knew exactly what he was going to do. Um, and I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember how it's written in the books, if there's anything that clues you into to Jon maybe feeling reluctant to do what he does, if he's, if he's not going to go through with it. But 
my memory of it is he's pretty ready. He's pretty ready to just cut this bro's head off. And I mean, it's it, it's easy to forget Jano Slint's role in in John's life. How much of, of Jano Slint from season one do you remember, Rob? A lot or a little? Boy, Jano Slint pre, uh, you know, I, I feel like the first recollection I have of him as a character is uh, with Tyrion uh, shipping him to the wall. Right. And he's shipping him to the wall because of, you know, several reasons, not the least of which is this guy is just a total boner and should not be in King's Landing running the city watch anymore. Um, But he is, you know, he's the he's the head of the city watch when we first meet him in King's Landing. He is aligned or seemingly aligned with Ned Stark when Ned and Littlefinger agree that they are going to take down the Lannisters. They're going to they're going to come to court and they're going to say Joffrey is not Joffrey Baratheon. He is. Jamie Lannister's kid. Um, and then he turns the city watch against Ned. You know, he kills all of those Stark men and he is a key player in Ned Stark getting his head chopped off. So here we are, you know, several seasons down the road. Jon Snow, not only is it a callback to, to Eddard Stark cutting off a man's head in the very first scene uh, of, of Ned Stark on Game of Thrones. It's not just a callback to that. It's vengeance, really. Um, he's he's killing one of the men who's chiefly responsible for the death of his father. Uh, so it was it was there was never going to be any hesitation from John on this. It was it was the right move for him in terms of being Lord Commander and proving to everybody in one fell swoop, uh, literally, that you, I'm not you know somebody that you can talk back to. I am not somebody to be taken lightly. If I say something, it it means that I mean it, and you better follow it or it's off with your head potentially. Um, so it's the it's the right I think it's the right tone for him to set first of all, but there were personal reasons for why he does what he does here. And does uh, Jon Snow know all that? Does he know exactly that, how this went down? I think I don't I don't know if he knows all that. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he if he's aware of it at least to some degree. Uh, I think that Jano Slint being a member of the City Watch isn't like a secret. Whether he knows all the nitty gritty, who knows? Who really cares? I mean, just karmically, it is it is vengeance. So I, I think that that's a really cool little note to connect uh, who Janus was back in the day and who he is when he's at the end of his life now and who it is that's taking him out of the picture. I think it's all pretty cool stuff. Okay, so we know what's going on at the wall and Jon Snow actually has a decision to make of what do you want to do? Are you going to come with us? Are you going to be the, uh, the shield in the night? Is that right? I want to make sure yeah. I... Yeah, that are you going to protect? You know, be the protector. Are you going to come? And as long as the Boltons are up there, the people in the north are suffering. Will you join us on this mission? Right. It's an interesting point. You know, basically saying like, are you really protecting the realm from like the ass end of the world on this frozen? You know, this frozen castle is this really the best use of your abilities and your time, or do you want to clear the north with us? And that is honestly protecting the realm. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting way of of floating that possibility John's way. Um, when you kind of frame it as the Boltons in the North is bad for everybody, um, you know, the, he know he knows the Boltons as well as anybody. John, you know, having lived in the North, knows their reputation. Sure that they, they were they were loyal to the Starks for a time, but they've had their reputation. Their you know their their symbol on their flag is a is a person without their skin on. So, you know, these guys have a reputation. Yeah. They're like the um, neighbor in the north that nobody really likes on the block. Nobody want nobody's coming to them asking for sugar. That's yeah. not happening. They're like uh, the people they hope don't come to the block party. 
Exactly. Their invitation gets lost in the mail. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the watch is not supposed to get involved in the affairs of the realm. The watch is not supposed to be involved in any of this political nonsense that's going on. The watch is supposed to stand between Westeros and what's beyond, you know, the wildlings and potentially worse. Uh, and John knows firsthand that potentially worse is definitely worse. Like it's a, these White Walkers are real; they exist. They are they are coming. Um, and John, I think, is is and has been very focused on that stuff. But is there something? Is, is there some truth to what um, Stannis is saying? Is that keeping Roos Bolton in in power here, not helping me clear him out, could potentially be bad for you as well? Um, is that is that your duty to to take out this guy? Is that part of the Night's Watch's obligation? So, uh, very interesting question, and it's going to be interesting to see how John responds to that. All right, so the Boltons in Winterfell are, is a big part of the story that's going on, and we now find out that Littlefinger has arranged a marriage of Sansa Stark to the freaking artist formerly known as the Bastard of Bolton, Ramsay Bolton. I know that's no, sucks. no, that sucks. no, yeah, no. So between Sansa and Littlefinger. They were buddies. And now Littlefinger is, you know, throwing her to the wolves, like throwing her to the to the worst of the worst, throwing a wolf uh, at, to the bastard. Yeah, at least she got, you know, you know, she got like a trial run in terms of uh, being betrothed to nastiness. Yeah, What's worse? OK, Ramsey Snow or Joffrey? Who's who's worse? Oh man, it is, uh, you know, it is, it is really like picking between, uh, human shit and cow shit. Like you don't want to pick up either. Uh, you'd rather not touch either one. Uh, but she's got to touch one. Uh, it's tough. Joffrey, it's tough. I mean, Joffrey is better any day of the week. Joffrey is not flaying people. He's not flaying people, but he's he did cut her father's head off. He's done some pretty cruel okay, stuff. Okay, and what things has Ramsey Bolton cut off? Well, she doesn't have to worry about it. <laughs> he's worse. That she they that that Littlefinger has found the one person that's worse than Joffrey, and that that's her new husband. It's it's very close, I think. I, I would not be mad at the argument that Ramsey is worse than, than Joffrey, but I don't think it's an every single day of the week. Joffrey was pretty terrible as well. Uh, but I mean, if anyone in the world is equipped to marry Ramsey Bolton, uh, formerly Snow, uh, and somehow you know politically maneuver the situation to, to get vengeance for her family, as Littlefinger puts it, um, I think that Sansa is that person she has lots of experience dealing with psychopaths. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, this if this were if this were, I don't know, you know, na name some other characters like, you know, there are other people on this show that I would feel worse about their odds going into this situation. I actually I'm not I'm not as worried for Sansa as I might be for somebody else. Yeah, she's almost like a uh, poor man's Marjorie Tyrell. She's uh, like um, she's yeah, not give as, her time. She's young. Yeah, she's not. As manipulative, but she is definitely like she's learned the ropes a bit. And, and I think I think she's going to be OK. That being said, Littlefinger said he didn't know a lot about Ramsey Bolton. Did you take that at face value? Is it possible that Littlefinger just doesn't know a lot about this guy and doesn't have any idea? Because I've said that I felt like Littlefinger does have Sansa's best interests at heart 
in these things. Sure, he has his own interests, one, but I think he is trying to look out for what's best for Sansa. But I just think that maybe this is a blind spot for him. He has no idea what a lunatic Ramsey Bolton is. I mean, that I, I find that hard to, to take at face value. You know, Littlefinger... Uh, you know, a wise man once said, do your research. And Littlefinger <laughs> is a guy who has done a lot of research. You know, he, he knows things. He knows who people are. This is his, this is his wheelhouse. You know, it's, it's dealing with people like this, dealing with the Boltons of the world, the phrase, uh, you know, taking over the airy, like knowing his enemy, knowing his friends, knowing people, uh, knowledge is power. And, you know, sure, he's, you know, maybe... Ramsey Bolton isn't, you know, the person that Littlefinger knows inside and out, but I got to imagine he knows of his reputation to some degree. I don't think that Littlefinger enters this situation, which is a very, 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 very risky situation that he is entering uh, without knowing pretty well, if not extremely well, every important player on the board. Um, I don't buy what he's saying when he says this to Ramsey. I think that when he's saying this to Ramsey, I think that he's trying to let Ramsey have some feeling of having a little bit of power in the situation, maybe, um, you know, trying to to lose any sort of suspicious stink that Littlefinger might have on him at the moment. I think that Littlefinger, if there's anything that we know about Littlefinger, it's that he knows his shit. Uh, you know, that's, that's his superpowers. He knows people. And I think that, uh, when he when he tells Ramsey like I haven't heard much about you, I don't take that as an honest assessment. I think that that's just Littlefinger being Littlefinger. You know, Sansa has like a bit of a tantrum, a little bit of old Sansa here uh, tonight. But Littlefinger ends up talking to her and says that you know um, there's no justice in the world unless we make it. You loved your family, avenge them. Um, yeah, is this you know? Is Sansa in on a, on a plan here? Is this a heist? Is this like, uh, are we, you know, are they working towards everything? Not as it seems to the Boltons. Yeah. Little fingers 11. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Yes. Are yeah. the Boltons walking into something that, uh, they're not ready for? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I don't think that little finger tells Sansa, you know, to marry this guy out of one side of his mouth and then out of the other side of his mouth says also avenge your family. I think that he is saying, you know, marry this guy, get in close. And then what I have in mind is going to be something you're going to be pretty pumped about as a Stark. Um, so I think that I think that Roose Bolton thinks that he has just, uh, got himself into a pretty interesting situation here where he now has the opportunity to have a Stark in Winterfell and under his control and thereby have most of the North um, feeling better, at least, about Bolton's being in Winterfell. Um, but I don't think that it's going to work out that way if Littlefinger has his way. I think that Littlefinger is, you know, the wolf in the hen house here. I think that he is, he is you know, saying things like avenge your family to Sansa I don't think that that's just, you know, him, you know, being spur of the moment. I think that that's a big part of what he's talking about doing here. To me, the big wild card here is Reek. Reek. And Reek. we did not get a <laughs> Reek union between uh, Reek and Sansa tonight. And no. you wonder if she would have even recognized him. But does she know, you know, everything that Theon did in Winterfell? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know how much she knows about what Theon 
did. Um, Does anybody recognize Reek as like, hey, weren't you the guy that took over this place and like killed a bunch of people? Like, don't you think that uh, the nobody like they say the North remembers, but I'm yeah. not sure uh, if they do. It's- well, they don't they, they remember, but they don't have, um, you know, their sense of smell. Uh, like they don't remember what Theon smelled like when they're smelling Reek. I think when they're seeing and smelling Reek, they smell a different person, uh, which is fair. Because he smells like garbage. I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Uh, he truly reeks. Um, but no, 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 no reunion. <laughs> no reunion between Theon and Sansa tonight. Um, I think you know we we see Reek obviously knows Sansa. Uh, he he spots her from across the yard a, a couple of times, and it looks like he's actively dodging her, um, as if like having Sansa there, knowing Sansa, and you know, having to interact with her is either going to be bad for him because she knows about what he did to to Winterfell before previously, um, or it's going to be bad because it's going to shake him out of this. Um, I'm not Theon Greyjoy haze that he's been in for the past, you know, season or two now. Yeah. It's um, so muddy. Also, does Sansa, does she, does she think that Theon killed Bran and Rickon? Yeah. I mean, no one really knows where Bran and Rickon are. I think I think that it's I, I believe that the public perception is that they are dead. And that Theon um, killed them, but that that he just walks around Winterfell and nobody uh I guess really I guess Roose Bolton killed Rob Stark and nobody cares about them. No one no one cares. And like Sansa's very cordial to to Roose Bolton when she meets him for the first time. She's like, oh hey, Roos. Yeah, oh, the, the whole red wedding thing, water under well, the she's bridge. playing the game, Sansa. She's, she's good now. Yeah, she's good. She's good. But yeah, I mean, I think that there are people um, who who very clearly know and remember what Roos Bolton did. But that's because he's not covered in like 20 inches of trash. Uh, I think that Reek is getting a little bit of a pass because people probably don't want to get too close to him to, to even identify him as Theon. You know, and to me, well, why I said he's the wild card here is because I that both Reek and Sansa both have similarly adopted a new persona. And in the case of Sansa, it's more intentional. In the case of Reek, I think it might have just been a case of evolution or de- devolution. But that they're both sort of, sort of like have this uh, other part that they're playing now. And will it be when Reek sees Sansa, will he go back into like, oh my God, what have I done? And like be sort of overcome and sort of remember about that stuff or will Sansa who's playing a part, will she sort of like lose and not be as calm, cool and collective and lose her mind when she sees Reek? Yeah. Will Sansa lose the three C's? No, that's a, it's an interesting question. Um, I think that that is what we should be asking right now. Which way is it going to go? Uh, will, will Theon emerge again? Will, will Reek go away and Theon will show up because Sansa is here and that inspires him to be the person he used to be. Um, will Sansa get tripped up by seeing Theon around? Will that will that ruin her game? Um, are there other possibilities to consider? Like, can Sansa identify uh, Theon as somebody who she doesn't necessarily like, but is willing to play the game with and use to her advantage? Lots of questions about this. I think that the only certainty is having Reek in the mix and Sansa in the mix and having these two characters who were both, um, not both of them born, but both of them in a very real way, raised in Winterfell uh, and raised by the Starks. 
having them in the same space again after a lot of time away from each other, after a lot of things that have happened to both of these people, uh, being you know, actually unrecognizable uh, to each other in many, many ways. I think that the only certainty of those people being in the same storyline again is that they are going to collide. Uh, and what the, you know, the, the aftermath of the collision looks like, that's the question. But I think the collision is 100% inevitable. Okay. It, it's, ha- it's happening. It's just a matter of how it's happening and what it means. Wiggler, let's go to King's Landing. Because, uh, oh my God, it was a royal wedding. Not, not the pomp and circumstance of some of the other royal weddings we've seen in King's Landing. You know, uh, they're keeping it subdued. They're keeping it classy. The last wedding wasn't so great. Mm-hmm. Um, weddings just in general on this show are not fantastic. As far as weddings go, I think that this was the happiest Best one ever. Best. Yeah, I think so. Uh, just ask King Tommen. Yeah. Oh, dude. Ah, oh, best night ever for sure. Yes. And uh, he just wants to do this all the time. Yeah. All day, every day. He wants to go for the life. record. Yeah. He's what is the record, the... Josh? I don't know. Don't ask me. I'm not. Is I'm that not in the, the, the World of Ice and Fire book? Does it say what the record is? Yeah, it's in the appendix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it true? Is it uh, Beric Dondarrion holds the record? Beric Dondarrion? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that that could be. I think it might be Podrick. Podrick Payne. Pod holds the record? That. Yeah, I think it could be Pod. Wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah, questionable to know who has the record, and hopefully we find that out. That'll be one of the great mysteries of Game Once of Thrones. Once upon a time, I feel like Tyrion probably had the record. Tyrion? Young yeah. Theon, maybe? Young Theon, yeah. Back with his, when he was uh, famous for, for his little Greyjoy. Yes. All right, so uh, I think actually Robert Baratheon hold the record. Bobby Bobby Baratheon might hold the record. Bobby B, uh, yeah, I mean he produced at least twenty some odd kids, uh, and who knows how many he he doesn't know about how how many uh, you know didn't produce kids. I so. think we have to take twenty at face value. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. All right, so we have Tom and Marjorie, and boy, uh, Marjorie is uh, so good. Are, are we supposed to like Marjorie? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, I love Marjorie, so I hope so. Yes, no, she's, she's really. She's, um, I just feel bad of... that she's manipulating uh, Tommen because he seems like a nice kid. I guess yeah, nobody but... should be feeling bad for Tommen, though. I don't think anybody should be feeling <laughs> bad for Tommen tonight, at least. At the very least, give the man tonight. You know, let him have tonight. Let him have his moment. This was, um, you know, the best episode for any character on Game of Thrones ever, I would say. Best uh, episode uh, ever. You know, this was really great for Tom and, you know, no one has had a better night on Game of Thrones and I don't think it's close. Um, I don't feel that bad for Tom and outside of that, you know, I don't I don't feel that bad that Marjorie is trying to use him too much. I, you know, I believe her when she says like he's very sweet, that he's like, oh, you're adorable. You're, you're great. You're a good little kid. You're a sweet little kid. I don't think that she has malicious intent. For Tommen, mm-hmm. I think she has malicious intent for Tommen's mother, yeah. for the queen, for the queen grandma. Uh, I think that she has, uh, she wants to say goodbye, queen grandma. <laughs> you know, I think that she's, I think she's got a lot. <laughs> I think she's got a lot of bad ideas for her, but I don't think that she has a lot of bad ideas for Tommen. I think that Tommen she likes. Oh my god, I was not expecting that. Okay, um, so let's talk about that scene with Marjorie and Cersei. Yeah, when she's just like throwing it in Cersei's face. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, just like being like a total mean girl. You know, the mean girls of King's Landing. She's uh, a real Rachel McAdams here. 
Yeah, well, she really was like at the cool kids lunch table talking about uh, Tom and it was like a real, uh, real like sex in the city brunch that they were having. Right. Yeah. So which, which one of the girls was she? <laughs> uh, she was, was the like, Samantha. Was Samantha. That was the Samantha story. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, uh, so I'm, so it's like after four times, he says to me, what's the record? And I'm like, uh, like he wants to know what the record is. Um, and so, and what about just throwing it in Cersei's face? Like, Oh my God, he's half stag, half lion. I am exhausted. Believe yeah. me. Woo. It was quite a night. Yeah. Cersei yeah. should have been like, uh, he's 12. You pervert. <laughs> like you're going to jail. You well, should be. Cersei, you belong with the high septon. Cersei can't do anything about it. Yeah. Right? I mean, she's what is she? What do we call her? Do we call her Queen Regent? Like he's Queen in mother? he's in middle school. You pervert. Yeah, <laughs> she's not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> but uh, you know, Marjorie has to consummate. The That's deal. called Those statutory rape. Cool. Where I come from, Marjorie. <laughs> you're I, disgusting. Do you think they have that law in uh in? First off, do they have that law in Castle Rock? And secondly. Is Cersei really the one to be uh, calling people out I on guess not. I guess not. I guess so. <laughs> you know? She does lead the league in deviant uh, behavior. Yeah, so I, I don't think so. But, you know, poor Cersei, you know, if you ever want to say poor Cersei, but uh, Cersei really just has to bite her tongue here. You know, she's got to be tasting blood in this scene because Marjorie is saying all this stuff and Cersei just, you could tell all she wants to do is just like bite Marjorie's head off. Yeah, she's uh, like, oh, Marjorie's the queen. Marjorie's yeah. the queen. Queen Marjorie. We're living in the Queen Marjorie era. It's like if there's anything you need. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So the other part of the Cersei storyline here was odd to me. Um, and it did seem to be a bit out of character where we end up getting this storyline about the High Septon and the High Septon uh, is in the brothel and, uh, you know, terrible timing for the High Septon. Uh, not only is the High Septon in the brothel, but He's also like acting out a scene. I I mean, um, this would be like uh, who was who was the uh, the the Toronto mayor? Was it uh, was it Tom, uh, Tom Ford or Rob Ford? Right, oh, Rob Ford. Yeah. This would be like if they busted him like smoking crack, like holding like a fake like town hall meeting. Uh, that's what that was like. What this would be like. Yeah, it was really bad. It was a very bad look for the high Septon. For Septon, uh, Septon Ford, it was looking pretty bad. I mean, they uh, not only did they catch him doing something that was like a uh, Hippocratic act, um, but oh, is that is that the right word for <laughs> something with it was, an act? It was really bad. He's hypocrisy, but they, they he actually was like doing something like that, acting out also like exactly what he shouldn't be doing. It was sacrilegious. Sacrilegious, know, he's, right? He's he's performing he's performing his you know he's performing sex acts with you know the the seven you know and he's not supposed to do any of what's going on but the but the role playing is really taking it to another level. Yeah, it would uh, be like if somebody walked in on Bill Clinton with Monica Lewinsky and he was like giving her like uh, like some sort of like State of the Union address like uh, yeah, that's. It, <laughs> It would, Rob, no, it, would uh, like, it was a different uh, a, sta- a state of a different address. Yeah, Rob, it would be like if you were at Littlefinger's brothel and like Doing you were podcast. choosing. Yeah, yeah, you're like choosing podcasts. Which podcast will you do today, Rob? Yeah. Will you have uh, Game of Thrones? Bring new meaning to coming to you live <laughs> at Littlefinger's at the brothel. Uh, so so the high septon came to the small council and is like hey what's going on here that uh these people are bothering me right yeah 
Yeah, yeah, he's pissed. He's like, and I was trying to cover myself up, and they kept hitting my hands. So I just, it was, I had a real chill going on. It was a cold day. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Yeah, I like that Picel is like, uh, a man deserves privacy. <laughs> yes, yes, Picel. Uh, that was gold. That was that was what you know. That's in the conversation for funniest moments of the night. That was hilarious. That was good. And yeah. so uh, basically, that that ends up leading with Cersei going to go visit the uh, High Sparrow. And uh, yeah. so, what do we make of this High Sparrow, who's like a Gandhi type figure here now in the Game of Thrones universe? Yeah, he's like a Father Teresa. Yeah, uh, he is. You know, he's taking the shoes off his feet, the clothes off his back, uh, giving them to the needy. He's feeding people who need it. Uh, he's obviously very pious, you know, him and his people targeting the high Septon for what he did and considering that to be very, uh, you know, unforgivable, you know, a true, true sin. Um, he's an interesting guy. He's a, he's an interesting fellow to have in the mix here. And I think that the, that the question is why does Cersei seem to be so interested in him? Uh, why is she taking such personal notice of this guy and is it is it because of Lancel is it her connection to Lancel and the fact that Lancel is one of these sparrows um is it something else that should be a fun thing to keep an eye on I think that this storyline you know it, it's it's a little bit of a head scratcher right now but I think it might lead us to some really good stuff yeah because Cersei has never really been a religious person I mean uh, I don't know if it's maybe the sudden so you know this happens in real life too people lose people and then they uh, get more involved with the church but yeah it's like she has nobody else to turn to except the seven I guess yeah you know that that's a, that's a cool idea that you raise. Like, is this is this you know Cersei is like coming to Jesus moment or coming to the Seven moment? Although I guess that's a very different thing given the context of tonight. Um, but is is this her moment where she is going to be seeking some comfort in religion for you know sins of of earlier in her life? Uh, you know, losing losing her father, all of that stuff. Um, that's that's a that's a fascinating idea, but I think that the other thing to consider too is you know you you mentioned like who does she have to turn to? Um, she doesn't have a lot of friends right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know she's in a position of very tenuous power if she even really has much power at all. I mean she is kind of running the small council right now. Um, she has staffed the small council with people that she has you know chosen people that she wants there um but she's going to be in a situation if she doesn't realize that she's already there where like her son has a new woman in town um is is taking um at least is listening to the marching orders from marjorie if not taking them you know is talking about sending his mother back to casterly rock she's in an interesting position where there's a little bit of a ticking clock um and i think that the more friends that she can have the better but she doesn't have many options right now and if she can make some kind of friendship with the high sparrow here that might have some value somewhere okay so we'll see what happens with the high sparrow she has one friend though uh who's might be a good friend to have uh kyburn and he's working on some stuff she's given him a raven to send to Littlefinger, and we see there there's something going on under the sheets has as is that the mountain under there oh, i don't know Oh my God! What's under there? That's that's all I want to know. Next week is I, I want it to be all about the uh, potentially reanimated mountain. Yeah. Well, it's a strong theory. Who knows? Oh my God! That's very exciting. Um, do we do we have any suspicion about what was sent on the Raven from Cersei to Littlefinger? Do you think that 
Uh, is it something that that we need to know, or was just like uh, it was just like whatever? She sent him a letter, and it was more important that the letter got intercepted by the Boltons than than what was actually needed to say in the letter. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that it could be that it could just be that the Boltons need to know that Littlefinger is still in communication with the Lannisters. Uh, but I I would expect that we'll find out a little bit more of what that meant. Um, you know, I th- I I think that it certainly seemed important enough in the conversation between Littlefinger and Roose Bolton. So I, I would bet that we'll find out what it is she needs to reveal. My dear Littlefinger, uh, tell the hookers not to uh, do elaborate services with the High Septon anymore. <laughs> this is a bad major for, for problem business. here. This is bad PR. XOXO Cersei. Okay. P.S. Do you have any man whores who look like my brother? <laughs> Any blondes. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Arya. Arya. Okay. Arya in the House of Black and White. And it's not really fitting in. Uh, and it's Shades of the Karate Kid. Uh, Jake and Hagar is a real Mr. Miyagi of like uh, Sansa. Go out and, uh, you know, armor all my car. It's like, oh, I just want to be a faceless man. Why do I have to do this? Like yeah, uh, Sansa. On wax off. Sansa. That uh, you want to learn faceless man. First Arya. Yes. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Aria. <laughs> sorry. I'm getting, getting so confused with Mr. Miyagi. Uh, maybe, but, maybe one day she'll be Sansa if she, uh, if she can change her face. Yeah. Well, what does this have to do with being a faceless man? Why do I have to sweep the floor? I know. Sweep the, sweep the leg. Um, yeah. No, Aria is like, she, I think she thought she was going to ninja school and she's like at janitor school. Uh, this is not what she signed up for. Yeah. Now, who's this other woman that's there? Uh, Arya too. Arya too. She does look like <laughs> Arya two D two. Yeah, Arya two D two. Yeah. Uh, until until we have a name, I'm I'm happy to call her that. Arya two. Okay, so uh, not Audrey two. Audrey uh, two is a different character. Yeah. So Arya two. Really, she's an Arya lookalike. Is that is that intentional? Um, I don't. I I think that the casting on Game of Thrones is so spectacular that you can't imagine that they are going to choose somebody for this role who looks a lot like Macy Williams. And that's, you know, an accident. I think that this to me would, would seem to be intentional. Yeah. And they, Aria two got into a fight with Aria one about her stuff. And basically Jake and Hagar came in and took uh, Aria two side and said, you know, you have to be nobody. How could nobody have all of Aria Stark stuff? Yeah. She's, you know, that's the problem. Like maybe when you stop being Arya, you can become no one. Uh, maybe that's when I will actually take you to ninja school. And so Arya, you know, kind of gets the message and she goes and throws all of her stuff away. Mm, not all of it. For, except for the one thing, except yeah. for the one thing needle is needle is still in play. How could Arya think that Jake and Hagar who sees everything is not going to catch on to this? That's a very fair question. Yeah. Very fair question. Yeah. Uh, what do you so you think that Jake and Hagar knows about this? He, I think he's got to know about this. I mean yeah. that she threw the coin in the ocean. I mean unless unless Jake and Hagar just gave her a, like a different coin. It's like I guess if you throw a quarter in a well and I see you the next day and I give you back I give you a quarter. I guess I didn't necessarily go in the well and get out the quarter you threw in there. Right. Yeah, and I think what if what if um you know she doesn't have the coin anymore? Maybe that's how he was keeping track of her. It was bugged. It was there was Wow, there was yeah, like was Lojack fun. on the coin. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe he doesn't have uh, 
as much info on Arya as he yeah. used to. And what is Jake and Hagar doing there with people? Like, are people coming there? Are they bringing dead people there, or is Jake and Hagar killing people? I, I mean, the impression that I got was he gives this guy a drink. The man takes the drink. The man is dead five seconds later. Right. Uh, pretty much without incident, at least, you know, fairly peacefully. So perhaps it was a service, you know, perhaps it was a kindness what he was doing yeah. for this guy, you know, giving him the gift of death. Um, but it certainly looked like whatever Jaken did with this man directly caused this man's death. Jaken Hagar says, uh, there is only one God. The girl knows his name. All men know his gift. Uh, is... Is uh, Jacob Agar's God like death? Is it the Lord of Darkness? Interesting. Okay, we'll see. Interesting. We'll see. All right. Uh, then the only other story of the night is uh, Pod and Brienne. And what what's the takeaway there? That they're going to be best friends forever? Yeah, another, you know, basically it's the poor man's uh, Jake and Hagar and Arya. Yeah, or the poor man's uh, Arya and the Hound. <laughs> Yeah, all right, so Pod, we found out that he sort of got to go be Tyrion Squire because he was punished. He was punished. He was he was going to be executed, but uh, serving Tyrion was considered almost a fate worse than death, I feel like. But he liked it. Um, yeah, yeah, he enjoyed it. He liked Tyrion. Tyrion was a good guy. Yeah. He was fine. You so, know, the Pod and Brienne stuff, whatever. Yeah, so Pod and Brienne, uh, so Pod is going to get training from Brienne uh, twice a day, which is... Uh, only slightly behind the schedule of Marjorie and Tommen. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do two a days, two a days, uh, which, you know, I know what that is. Yeah, that's good. And uh, they're still hot on the trail of Littlefinger. They followed them all the way to Mo Kalen. Are they going to be able to follow them all the way to Winterfell? Well, she says she knows where they're going. You know, Brienne says we're not going to follow through Mo Kalen. Uh, I, you know, we'll take the longer way, but I know exactly where they're going. But isn't you know, the whole not... point of Moat Kalen is that nobody can get around Moat Kalen? You would think so. Like, or isn't like that the, could... the reason why Moat Kalen is important? Because it sort of is like at the neck and nobody can get around Moat Kalen without going past Moat Kalen. And that's why it's such a valuable spot. Well, Brienne's a badass. Brienne's got another way to go. Like, if there's another way around Moat Kalen, it sort of defeats the purpose of there being Moat Kalen. If there are like two people, you can get around. Okay. Okay. You can't get an army pass. You can't get an army. Pass. Okay. Got it. All right. Uh, you want to bring in some questions, Josh? I would love to bring in some questions. Let's do it. Jo uh, Josh and Hagar. Josh and Hagar. Uh, <laughs> I am no one. Uh, I, I am nobody. Okay. Tonight. All right. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's bring in some questions. Uh, lots of fun stuff to talk about this, this episode. Uh, let's just kick it off with, uh, with a comment that I completely agree with from Jason Burning. I vote Tommen as luckiest guy in Westeros this week. Okay. Uh, I will I will endorse that. I will also say luckiest guy in Westeros ever. Ever? Okay. Ever? Yeah. I mean, look, he, he, not only is he married to Marjorie Terrell now, but uh, he's the king. He, like, completely lucked into being king. So he's a pretty lucky guy. Yeah. Loras Tyrell gets lucky on the regular. He does. He These does Tyrells too. are... Are very lucky people. Yes. Okay. Uh, boy, Marjorie Tyrell. Who has it better than who has it better than her that she dodged the bullet of marrying Joffrey? It's a it's a it's a great deal. This yeah. is the best deal for Marjorie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's take another question here. Uh, Janice Tillery wants to know what is Varys going to do now that he lost Tyrion? Go back and chill with his buddies back in Pentos. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to write to Pentos, dear Pentos. 
Uh, I am in a horror house. I don't know what to do. These are letters that they get in Pentos often, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, where's where's he going to go? What's he well, going to do? Is is Barris going to just you know catch up with Jorah and Tyrion pretty quickly here? You think? See, I feel like uh, I feel like that's the one hope for Tyrion is that. Varys runs into Ser Jorah because I feel like uh, Varys was the person in communique with Ser Jorah and they were like pen pals and maybe uh, now they would be Pentos pals and they could sort of get a, you know, talk to each other and be like, oh my God, it's you. Oh my God, what are you doing? You're stealing Tyrion? No, I brought him here. Uh, We're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think um you know the next steps for Vir- uh for Vir- Virian is that the shipping name for Varys and Tyrion? The next steps for them, you know, it's it's murky. Who knows where Varys is going next? Yeah, I do say that the spider really did not use a lot of discretion here in this. I feel like this is one that I would give. I'm not giving him the fishy tonight because uh, I feel like he knows better. Like I feel like that Tyrion, he's been traveling with him for a while. Like I feel like he totally caved in at the worst possible time to his impulses. Yeah, I mean, like, like this was the t- this was the time to like really be strong uh, and like you know really firm with Tyrion. And be like, nope, we have not just been traveling for all these weeks inside of a moving box for you to blow it here in Valance. Right, that's not what we've been doing. Like, this is the most important moment. Yeah, you're right. I think that Varys was uh, was a little weak it. when it came. To like, I think here's the move: is like, all right, all right, fine. Let's park the box here. I'll go send a guy. I'll go uh, tell me what 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 color what hair color do you like? We'll go find a find a hooker. We'll bring her back to the box. That's fine. Do whatever you need to do. I'll wait outside. Put a put a tie on the outside of the box. Let me know when it's over, and then let's yeah. keep moving. Yeah, we'll get you some noshes. You hungry? Yes. You want we'll, some, you want something to eat? You know? Yeah, like some some delivery service. Like you know, we'll order in seamless. Like it'll be great. Yes, it'll be great. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. It was. It was not good. Or another option would have been to like have some sort of like knockout juice on hand. Uh, just like knock Tyrion oh, out. Milk of the poppy. You know, give him some milk of the poppy. Let him pass out. Just sleep through the whole Valantis thing. Be on the road to Meereen, and you know he's none the wiser. That's a good idea too. All right. Uh, this is from uh, Dolaphoba, who says, uh, "What are your thoughts on Sansa and Ramsay? There's no way this ends well. Okay, so, what's the name if we're shipping Sansa and Ramsay?" Samsy, Ransa, Ramsa. I like I like Ransa. Ransa? Ramsa? Ramsa or Ransa? Ramsas are in season right now. Okay. Uh let's go with let's go with Ransa. Ransa. Okay. Ransa. Uh what do you think? Does Ransa have a shot? Mm, no. Are we shipping Ransa? No. No. That he flayed two men in this episode. Yeah, but after that, like he seemed like he was on decent behavior. Yeah, as long as he was you know, eating. He was polite. He was minding his manners. No, 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 <laughs> no way, no. no way, no how. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about spicy wasabi? All right, spicy wasabi says Littlefinger is throwing Santa to the wolves. She's the wolf. He's got it. He's got to know that she's still ill prepared to deal with the Boltons. Is he being short sighted? He's throwing uh, a wolf to the flayed men. Yeah, a wolf to the flayed men. I don't know. Listen, Sansa's a badass. Sansa has been through a lot. Sansa survived King's Landing. If she can survive King's Landing, she can survive on her home turf. Um, And the other thing that we did not discuss yet, Rob, is that there are people, you know, in Winterfell who obviously love Sansa. You know, Sansa is shown to her room, and the woman who shows her there says, the North remembers. Like, sweet, a Stark. We have a Stark again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so Sansa's got friends. Sansa's got friends here. Yeah. Uh, certainly, you know, she's got a bigger social network here than she had in King's Landing. So um, Sansa's, I, she's got home court advantage right now. She does. Now, I wonder what is like, wh- this gets complicated if, okay, let's say Ramsey marries Sansa and now Sansa is, you know, the lady of Winterfell. And then the Stannis guys come down and take out all of the Boltons. Now has Sansa Sansa get to stay, but she's in married to the into the Boltons. I think that Stannis Stannis would crush the Boltons. Let's let's assume that Stannis is the victor in whatever conflict this is. Uh, Stannis crushes the Boltons, puts the Boltons out of power. I think he's smart enough to know that he needs a Stark in Winterfell to keep the North at bay. John has already denied him. He doesn't have an option, a better option than Sansa. Sansa herself is already a fairly agreeable, amenable person, uh, and certainly politically savvy. I think that if Stannis comes out on top in whatever conflict between the Boltons occurs, um, I think that as long as Sansa escapes with her head still on her shoulders or not flayed, ideally, um, I think that Sansa remains in power at Winterfell. I think that she can make things work in a Stannis uh, Baratheon situation. Okay, but then I can't imagine that how Littlefinger gets back into it because I can't imagine that that you know. Then you could say, all right, well then Littlefinger can move in and marry Sansa or something like that. But I can't imagine that Stannis wants Littlefinger as Warden of the North. He might not want Littlefinger as Warden of the North, but Stannis is a pretty practical guy. I can't imagine uh, he wants him as uh, you know Warden of the Eyrie either. No, probably not. But you know, Littlefinger is very persuasive. Stannis is pretty practical, and with the right argument, I think Littlefinger can make this work. I think that Littlefinger has certainly taken advantage of smarter people than Stannis Baratheon. Uh, I, I think you. that I I would I would not be shocked if Littlefinger could make it work. Okay, what do you got from right, Bradley? Yeah, let's take this from Bradley Huffer, who writes in, do you think that Sansa will be what causes Reek to finally rebel against the Boltons and become Theon again? So we kind of touched on this before, but let's just, um, let's let's get your prediction then, Rob. How do you think it's going to go? What is your official prediction for how Theon is going to play a role in in this story with Sansa coming up? Um, You know, you, you what you'd like to see is that Theon is almost like the uh, Darth Vader and the Emperor and Sansa's like Luke Skywalker and she's able to like turn uh, Theon against the Boltons. I I just don't know. I think Theon, I'm pretty sure Theon's gone. I I don't know if there is a Theon anymore. And I wonder if, you know, part of him is gone. Part of him is gone. And I I just wonder if, you know, seeing Theon is going to be or seeing Reek is what's going to make Sansa lose her cover. Yeah. So that's where your that's where your head's at. You think that this is going to throw Sansa off? I feel like seeing him is going to throw off Sansa more than seeing her is going to throw off Reek. Like I think Reek's already been through worse than seeing seeing Sansa. Interesting. All right. That's well, let's see how it plays out. Okay. Um, here we go. Let's let's take this from Ethan Towns, who writes in: Tommen consummated his marriage with Marjorie. Does that mean that Cersei has no real power now? Um, Rob, what's your what's your take on this? Obviously, this is a tug of war that's going on between the two queens, the actual queen and the uh, the queen grandma. Uh, do you think that Cersei really has power here, or is this going to be over for her pretty quickly? I think she has power. So, I mean, up until Tommen comes of age, I don't know what exactly you know as queen regent when the, do they make that distinction? Do you know, Josh? Um, not off the top of my head, no. 
Yeah. See, I almost feel like that the show by aging Tommen has, you know, uh, made it less creepy that he's hooking up with Marjorie. But in some ways, I feel like if this was the real thing, I feel like then there would be no need. They would he would just be the king and just be not need the queen regent. Yeah. So I don't know, like, because yeah. because I, I feel like you know, there's all sorts of stories about like in Game of Thrones world where you know people that are 13, 14, 15 years older are making like all these calls. I don't know how old Tom and it's supposed to be here. Uh, yeah, uh, he's not supposed to be super old. He's supposed to be young enough that um, he thought that he was hurting Marjorie Terrell, which is very cute. Yes. Uh, uh, so, so pretty young. So how how old are are we in the sake of for watching Game of Thrones uh, so we can all feel uh, pretty creepy right now? How old is Tom and supposed to be? I would guess like probably like 15 ish would be my guess. OK, so. That's, All right. That sounds about right to me based on uh, how old the actor looks, which I'm, I'm looking up now. How old is this actor? And how old is Marjorie uh, supposed to be? I think that she's in her 20s. You know, I think that she is she's in, in her, her 20s. 20s, Marjorie Tyrell. You think that she's older or younger? What I, do you I would say? say that I think that she's like, I, I'm, I, I'm sure the actress is in her 20s, but I feel like that, that we're supposed to think that she's like 16 or 17. Wow. Uh, the actor who plays uh, Tom and Baratheon is 17 years old. Okay. All right. All right. It's all still all uh, very questionable. Very questionable. It's a, it's a sliding scale. Sliding okay. scale. Our Philly, does Arya stashing Chekhov's needle in the wall indicate she isn't as committed to her training as she should be? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, I think absolutely. I mean, I think what, what Jack and Hagar is saying to her is that you should shed all of your Arya Stark stuff uh, and then come back here ready to be no one. Um, and as long as she still has a piece of her past and a really important piece of her past, um, you know, hidden away uh, without telling anybody about it, I don't think that that is full commitment to the Faceless Men. Uh, and I think that Jacken, if he knows about it or if he's going to find out about it, wouldn't be thrilled about this. Yeah. Would not be pleased. She's got to go all in. She's not all in. How do you think that's going to come into play? How do you think uh, Needle is going to resurface? Mm, I think she's going to say that she's ready. And Jake and Agar is going to say, yeah, but what about this? Is this your Needle? Like, uh, no. That's, she's going to fail the test. She's going to fail she, the she test. She's going to fail the test. And she's been, you know, she's gotten an F all year long. She just didn't know it. Yeah. All right. Let's take a couple more questions here, Josh. Uh, Natalie wants all to right. know, now that Jorah has Tyrion, will we see much of Varys this season? Will he continue to meet Daenerys? Yeah, I mean, who know, who knows what happens with Varys from here? You know, Varys had, you know, he was running all over Volantis throughout most of his time in the episode, trying to keep up with Tyrion. Um, you know, he notices that Tyrion has slipped out just, you know, seconds before we see Jorah sneak up on Tyrion. Um, so how how close to catching up with those two is Varys is a question. Um, you know, maybe this is going to be uh, Jorah is crashing the, the road trip and is going to be the third wheel um, or Varys is going to have to figure out some way of uh, dealing with getting to Danny without Tyrion. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a good question and hopefully we'll get some resolution on it next week. All right. Let's do two more questions. This is from uh, Katie D. All right. Katie D writes, isn't the Night's Watch already woefully understaffed? How much help are they going to be to Stannis anyway? Uh, yeah, well, Stannis wants those wildlings more than he wants the Night's Watch, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, the, the Night's Watch is like a, a couple hundred people, and I think that that's generous. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he minus Jana Slint. My, we're we're down one. How awesome was that scene, by the way? I mean, I don't think that we really stopped to just kind of salute how awesome that looked. Was, uh, of, of of John just slicing Jana Slint's head right off, and like the camera kind of being unflinching about it. It was done really. well. It was great. I loved it. I love the whole thing. Uh, I I love yeah. uh, John at the wall now. John's John's story this season has been a true highlight uh, for sure. Uh, everything that's been going on at the wall has been really exciting so yeah. far. No, it's awesome. Um, it's it's like uh, Jim Halpern uh, running Dunder Mifflin now. Yeah. Um, Rob, we promised uh, an execution this week in, in the podcast. And I mean, while we didn't do that, you know, live on the air, at least Game of Thrones delivered for us. Yes, they did. And nobody hissed when Janus Slint uh, got executed. Nobody's like... Yeah. No, that's that's just uh, in the in the YouTube comments. That's yeah to us. Yeah, it does. All right, let's do one more question. Uh, this is from Drew Wilson. Ramsey is worse than Joffrey in terms of sadism, but at the same time, he has a lot less power than the former king. Yeah, so I guess that there's um uh, a little bit of a sliding scale. Like Joffrey was a real a hole, but he was at least the king. Whereas yeah, he could he could get you all the lemon cakes. Right. Where you know Ramsey <laughs> is is a total a hole and is the son of the warden of the north. Like uh, right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you you raise a, a great point there. I think that makes it pretty official that Ramsey is worse than Joffrey. He's worse. He's worse. All right. Yeah, I think we do one. At one, least Joffrey can buy you nice things. One more quick one. One more quick one. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of quick ones from Janice Tillery, are we sure Tommen isn't Robert's son? He sure inherited his addiction. To sex. sex addiction. Sex addiction. Yeah, well, you know, Jamie and Cersei, uh, they look, they, they like to uh, get down also. Yeah, they love freaky getting freaky. Deaky. Yeah, yeah, they get freaky all week. All right, so Josh, we need a ha- we need a hashtag, okay? Josh right. and Hagar. Do you have some ideas? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> we throw out Josh and Hagar. Okay. Here, here Hagar. here's my list. Here's my here's my list of uh, what we got. Uh, hashtag Ransa. Okay. Hashtag Aria two D two. I had that as well. <laughs> hashtag uh, Pentos Pals. Okay. <laughs> hashtag Reek Union. Reek Union. That's pretty good. And hashtag goodbye Queen Grandma. Uh, I'm part. I'm partial to that. If that, whoever got that joke uh, can can give that give us that one. Uh, I think hashtag Aria two D two is pretty good. Okay. Now is it uh, Aria two the number D two? Yeah. Okay. I think so there you go. All right, Josh. So we are going to uh, get to our Game of Thrones feedback show. How can people get their questions into the feedback show? Several ways you can leave us a voicemail. That's always very fun. So go to postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail. Record us like 30 seconds is, is ideal. Um, you can also send us questions on email, got at postshowrecaps.com or through our feedback form, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. Or you could tweet to Rob and I at Rob Sesternino at Round Howard uh, and we'll get all those questions out to you uh, onto the feedback show this week. And so we'll make sure Roos Bolton doesn't go through the emails before we get a chance to read them. I thought that we were talking about hiring him as our intern. Oh, <laughs> well, no, he, he's, he recommended his uh, kid uh, was going to come and be our intern this summer. No, summer no, is no. coming, Josh. We need an intern. We do. Yeah. Intern Ramsey. I'm down on intern <laughs> Ramsey. <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel good about that. He flays all of his problems. It's not good. Yes. Okay. So, uh, great job tonight, Josh. Uh, great chat about the episode. We'll be back next Sunday night to talk about Game of Thrones uh, season five, episode four. 
Uh, we've got a lot more coming up uh, this week. Uh, Josh, is it is it true you got a, a movie cast coming soon? Um, I would I would say that there might be a super 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 big movie coming out later this week that we might have a podcast about here on Post Show Recaps. It's very exciting. It might be the Avengers. Okay. It's it's the Avengers. We're going to do an Avengers Age of Ultron podcast later this week. All right. Huge news. Huge breaking news from Josh Wiggler here tonight. Uh, all right. Don't miss any of it. Subscribe to either the Game of Thrones podcast feed on Post Show Recaps at postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. Or you could subscribe to our main podcast feed and get everything that Post Show Recaps has to offer at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. Or look for us on your favorite podcatcher. Okay, not pod that's hanging out with Brianne, a different podcatcher. Yeah. All right. Have a great night, everybody. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.